Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's special guest is the co-founder and CEO of a global wellness and clean beauty brand, Element Apothic, focused on positively impacting the quality of life through functional cannabinoid products, wellness education, and a worldwide community, all while doing good for people and our planet. Without further ado, Davina Kaunohi, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me today. I'm really excited. I appreciate you joining us and chatting a little bit about, you know, your your journey into the space and kind of what that's looked like and where uh, where you're at today. So I think a great place for us to start is just to take it from the top and, you know, kind of let's hear a little bit about how you got into the cannabis industry and how you got to the point of creating Element Apothic and, and everything that you're a part of today. Yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate to be around cannabis since I was an infant. My dad was a Vietnam veteran, and so I grew up with the idea that cannabis helped him live his life better. And, you know, my dad's also Hawaiian, and it's a little bit more accepted in the culture, I think, Pakalolo, um, as they call it. But I, you know, going to school through D.A.R.E. and stuff, I remember hearing all of these bad things about cannabis. And I, it was confusing as a child. I would worry my dad would get arrested. My uncle had been arrested for growing. Yeah, he even had went through the, you know, whole process of actually hiding his cannabis in a cutout in his wall and like ceiling until it was discovered and he was arrested. But my dad, I understood on the weekends with my dad when he had cannabis was really great. And the other times we would visit my dad and he didn't have cannabis, we sometimes wouldn't leave his house. And so I, I recognized how much it actually helped him. And early on in my life as a young adult, um, you know, I looked to cannabis to really help me. I had pretty strenuous studies. I went to school for astronautical engineering and and thought that, you know, wanted to be an astronaut and stuff like that. But but it really helped me. Uh, my sister actually followed suit and ended up growing cannabis. And I was always fascinated with the plants. It was my side hobby. I learned to grow. She had a early California a licensed dispensary here with her book of patients. And you could grow so many plants per patient. So I, I really um, wanted to be involved and would help her. I used to do operational strategic consulting. So, you know, I would help her with all of the things she was doing. They eventually launched the seed bank. So fortunate for me, I've been able to be around this. On the other side, though, I grew up with my mom really against it. She said she had consumed something in high school and the dog was a bear and had all of these bad experiences <laughs> she remembered from it. And so it was often a conflict of like, who I know there's people that are against it. And I know that there's people for it. I'm just going to kind of be a, a closet cannabis user for my life. We can't talk about it in work. And, you know, you always fears of drug testing and things like that. But I knew how much it really made an impact. So fast forward many, many years later, uh, my great aunt had become quite sick. She was given just a few years to live with a prognosis, um, bedridden. She had many autoimmune diseases and medical conditions. And just the symptoms of all of these things were really causing her to not sleep and have a lot of uh, stress. And, you know, there was just a lot of stuff that was going on Mm -hmm. with her. So my sister, since she was growing, said, why don't you become a patient of mine and and we can start growing for you. Here's a recipe for RSO, Rick Simpson oil. It's helped several people that I've worked with. At the same time, she completely had to change her entire lifestyle. She had to eat better. She had to start taking care of herself. She had to clean out toxins and use clean products. So she started incorporating all of these different 
essentially wellness modalities into her life and started creating products that were clean for her to use for her body, but also starting to ingest these products. Um, she was also cautious of THC. So my sister was growing this amazing lemon hay strain that was very high CBD ratio at the time. Um, and because she also had other patients that were cautious of high THC products as well that were looking more for the benefits than than just some of the other psychoactive properties. So mm-hmm. I remember she was really nervous about it, actually stayed with her those first couple of weekends oh. um, that she used it because she wasn't sure what was going to, you know, quote unquote, happen to her when she right. did this. She, you know, would wake up in the morning. She's like, I slept a little bit better or, you know, my body feels a little bit better. Um, but what happened in time is she started adding this um, oil and making her own products, whether that be body care, um, tinctures, ingestible products, even some edible type products like a chocolate almond bark she made that was really great. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it was really good. And then people took notice of it and would start to ask her, hey, can you make me something? She, you know, read about plant-based oils and essential oils and plant-based remedies and what people used, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago and started incorporating that in the products that she created where her kitchen literally looked like you walked into an old apothecary store with bottles everywhere and always some herbs on the counter and stuff like that. And, you know, labels, she would just call it like Davina's formula or something like that. It was labeled for whatever people needed. Um, Over time, she created, I think in eight years, like 43 different custom formulations. So she wasn't really sure what to do with it next. She realized she had the power and gift to help people. I had set her up a website, just a very basic website. I'm not a website developer at all, Um, but my family would always come to me to help them with their business ideas since that's what I helped other companies do is launch Mm -hmm. their businesses. Um, But she didn't know how to get traffic. She was selling at farmer's markets a couple visits per month, but she knew that she could really help so many more people. And I happened to be at an inflection point in my career. I was trying to figure out what next was I going to do. I had just had a couple of companies that I started and didn't quite succeed the way that I wanted to. I learned a lot, ready to do something more, maybe not just go back to consulting. So she basically said, if you want this products, you can have them. You're you know, you're passionate about it. She had made products for me. Um, I had bought products from her for friends, parents and for friends to help support them. And her dream was for her products to go from the kitchen to the world. So that became really the ethos of Element Apothic of really helping people, but doing it in a way that really could have a positive impact. You know, she couldn't have any preservatives. She can't have any bad stuff in her products. She always used glass and and looked towards things that were sustainable. And that was all that also mattered to me. So in launching the business and bringing on David and Dr. Swathi, making sure that we were all aligned in in the value set moving the business forward that at all costs we'll do the best job that we can, even if that means sacrificing something else or margins a little bit. And at the end of the day, we never are going to move away from the fact that our goal is to help people do better and feel better and putting in some of these other ingredients and stuff like that, even if it could make it easier, wasn't going to help anybody. Right. So, so that really is what was the basis of Element Apothic and how we launched the company. That's amazing. It was long, but it's, (laughs) I always get so passionate about talking about that. No, I could tell. And that's amazing. I think people like that, you know, people like yourself are just, you know, meant to be in this space and to be helping other people and bringing products from, you know, kind of like how she wanted from the kitchen to the world and to create safe access to to others who need it as well. One of the things I was thinking about too was, Davina, how would you um, 
kind of compare the cannabis culture and community in Hawaii versus here in the U.S. or I think you're um, you're local to San Diego. So, so kind of like between your local community and the community that you witnessed in Hawaii, what are some of the similarities and differences there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here in Los Angeles and, you know, in Hawaii, at least, you know, growing up kind of there was a little bit more, I would say, acceptance of it, at least mm. within some cultures. I mean, Hawaii is also very mixed in cultures, right? And so no different than here and as we call it, the mainland here in the mainland U.S., but um, but it, you have different cultures that are coming in with different views and perspectives. So you do have cultures in Hawaii that are still cautious about cannabis and the ways that they grew up. You have other people that, you know, that grew up with it being a little bit more accepted, maybe a little bit more accepted, I think, to start than here. But it's not to say that everybody's completely open to the plant as well. And still some idea that if you smoke maybe or consume cannabis, maybe you're more on the, you know, not going to be super successful side, I would say. Um, so I would say that there's similarities, but maybe that's more ingrained here a little bit in in the mainland U.S. And, you know, but California also in Los Angeles, where I grew up, I, I think also had a little bit more diversity in terms of the acceptance of cannabis and culture, but still always, I mean, in my personal career, I never talked about it. I didn't want to be seen as somebody that was judged because of the fact that I used cannabis. And as especially as I grew in my management positions and executive management positions within a corporate culture, I never talked about it. And when people would talk about it, I would listen and I would never say anything to add back in. And I think that that culture exists in both places. I would say that that's pretty similar. Obviously, now I would say it's shifting a little bit more and Hawaii definitely has a little bit more culture focused on wellness and looking at aspects of, you know, plants and ancient remedies that work, especially if you look at the native Hawaiian culture have used plants as remedies for, for, you know, their entire being. So, so that might be a little bit different with starting with that idea, but still there's such a mix of cultures everywhere. Now it's, it kind of blends, I would say. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Um, and then even fast forwarding to now, and I'm, I'm, I was super curious to get your take on this today too. How would you say the, the CBD wellness space has shifted over the last few years? Because I've seen a lot of folks, um, you know, kind of put thoughts and predictions out there saying, oh, CBD is dead. Um, it was just, you know, a sort of like an entryway or like a gateway to get through in order to help us push legalization forward. I've heard a whole bunch of theories like this, but, you know, from, from someone in your position, how has the CBD space shifted and where do you see CBD wellness going in 2023 and even beyond in the next few years? Yeah, I mean, I think when, I think when it started, right, it was like this new fad and the hot ingredient and everybody wanted to try it. It also mm-hmm. became so easily accessible and it became so easy to launch brands. And there's not many other CPG industries where it was so easy just to put a product. You, you could have no inventory and drop ship with white label manufacturers that had no responsibility or accountability to create good products for people. And so you had this flood of the market where people were excited to try something that seemed promising. 
And a lot of people were disappointed. I remember right before COVID at the CBD Expo in Vegas, walking down the aisles and the farm bill had recently passed. And I can't tell you how many signs were launch your CBD business in 10 to 15 minutes. And I thought, oh my God, what are we getting ourselves into? But I know these products we create are different than that. And I think though that created a lot of um, too many products on the market. I think it was confusing for people. It's still confusing. A lot of low quality products are pushed out there. People just trying to jump on the bandwagon of what was going to be this new exciting thing. And so you had a very quick rise and then you started to have a fall of the industry. I think though, if you'd look at CBD in terms of what it can do for the body and the medical research and clinical trials that are studying, I mean, it's phenomenal in terms in, in terms of how it can help and get our body to homeostasis, which has a complete um, path in terms of how it helps our body manage so many things that we're fighting these days. So I think the future of CBD and even cannabis is really going to be dependent on a lot of this medical research and clinical studies and observational studies to prove now to people that it can actually work and people are going to be looking for more functionally specific products is what you know what I believe is going to happen in terms of what specifically can this help me with not just this general it's going to help with everything I mean it can help with so many things when you get your endocannabinoid system in balance but people don't quite understand that concept. So, you know, we need to explain and educate about the endocannabinoid system and what it does and why does THC and CBD work in the way that it does and why are these ingredients that should be part of our wellness routine. To me, that's how the industry starts to shift and gain the momentum back in those consumers that tried products that didn't trust it. It's something we're really passionate about and trying to understand is how do we get back those customers that have tried it and lost hope? How do we get back the customers that heard about people trying products that didn't work and now they're like, oh, we're not going to, to try it or people that are using products that are maybe not giving them as much efficacy as they can get to be able to really increase the experience they have. And then I do think, you know, fast forward into the future, it's going to be one of those staple ingredients. You take your multivitamin, there's going to be a certain amount of, of cannabinoids in there. Um, whether, you know, whatever you take, it'll be alongside people's daily wellness routines. I think in beauty, it will become an ingredient that people just use instead of a questionable ingredient. I mean, there's amazing properties with skin cell regeneration. I mean, there's so many things that these cannabinoids can do, even on a topical perspective. So I see a future of it being more of an ingredient within these products instead of it's just a CBD product by itself. That's a really interesting prediction because I was one of the things I was going to ask you, but you kind of answered it a little bit there, was do you see the efficacy of CBD, especially to your point, how so many people were either white labeling with um, just low quality sources or manufacturing facilities? Um with all the issues that were going on that kind of scared people away from it, do you see um, CBD taking shape more in terms of like a blend that could include something like lion's mane or reishi mushrooms, or maybe this is an energy product. So you may have B12 and CBD combined for like a morning uh, energizer or like revival product. Do you kind of see, like, is that kind of what your, where your head is at as far as the future of it in incorporating CBD into more of like a, functionally target, targeted approach? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that really is how we're going to drive the industry forward. It's something with Ellen Apothic that that's always been how our formulations have, because some of the products that my great aunt created, some of them didn't even have cannabinoids in them. And we made the decision to add cannabinoids in them because of the value that they brought functionally specific to that product. And so I do see a future because, you know, you think of anything, if you're taking a multivitamin, you're not taking, you know, some people do need higher levels of certain things, but are you separating mm -hmm. all 26 um, vitamins, you know, that you need and supplements, or are you taking one capsule that's going to be inclusive of many of these things? If you're taking a, a beverage, you know, what, what are you looking to gain in that beverage? You're not going to be drinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can only consume how many beverages in a day. Right. So what is the purpose that you're trying to achieve within that beverage? And, and really looking to think about combining ingredients that are more functionally specific in the products you create. You know, you're not going to just put on a CBD lotion and then add your other face lotion and your serum. You know what I mean? It's like, so how do you create products that fit into the lifestyle routine of customers? I think it to for me and for Elman Apothic, anyways, that's really what we're thinking is how do we become truly a lifestyle wellness brand for our consumers to fit into their life and make it easy for them to incorporate these types of products and these ingredients within their daily routines. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's it's something so simple, but sometimes it's those really simple, brilliant concepts or ideas that we overlook because they're sitting right in front of us. And to your point, it's just, it's so interesting how we can incorporate a plethora of different cannabinoids into our daily regiments and, and routines by bringing it closer to other things that we're already supplementing with. It might be vitamin C if we're feeling a little bit run down and we need a little bit of an immunity boost. Um, so I, I'm totally with you there. And I'm excited to see the, the, the evolution of what we used to know as these are typically products found on the CBD wellness market. And now 2023, 2024, 2025, these are the products that we're typically seeing on, on retailer shelves. I think that's just going to be so cool to see kind of side by side. Um, and another thing I wanted to ask as well was you mentioned with Element Apothic that there were some products or there may even be some products today where there were no cannabinoids included. It was just an overall, it was a, it was a, blend of botanicals or um, essential oils that were formulated to create an, uh, an effect that was a solution to a, to a problem. Um, is that still true today or is most of the product lineup for Element Apothic something that's blended and formulated with a cannabinoid of some sort? Yeah, all the, we made the decision to move forward with all the products with cannabinoids. And, and even at that time, I mean, almost three, four, four years ago when we were starting mm -hmm. to launch the brand, looking to some of the minor cannabinoids, which were quite expensive at that time to add CBN or CVG. It's incredible how much the price has dropped, which has made it a lot easier for companies to now start formulating with those. But yeah, the idea was that these ingredients really do add significant value to the products. And if we're trying to create the best functional product, why would we leave this out? And we have had people come to say, maybe create a line that is without it because it'll be easier to get into retail and you can start to grow that way. But we're really passionate about pushing forward the fact that these ingredients help make these products the what they are and add so much value that, that we don't want to do that, right? We're going to push no matter how hard it is for people to really understand the benefits of cannabinoids in wellness and beauty and body care products. 
um, and help them because at the end of the day, that's really what our goal is, is to help people live life. Even if it's just a little bit better, that little better can have such a significant impact on somebody's life. It doesn't have to solve everything. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to do everything, but just if it could be a little bit better, I mean, imagine the impact that that has in a much larger population. Yeah, totally. And what what would you say has been sort of like a key or maybe two or three keys in building a really strong foundation for Element Apothic? Because what comes to mind for me right away is education. I see you, I see you online all the time, just educating, informing people um, what's in the products, why certain things are being done with the brand and the products and the formulations. So um, that's just kind of my prediction on on your answer. But what have you and your team found to be um, just a key or a couple of key components of building such a strong brand in a very saturated competitive market. Yeah, I mean, I think from the beginning, you know, that there was this idea, right, when my great aunt first asked me if I wanted to take this on, that I sat for a moment and said, oh my God, I don't have the expertise to say if these products really are safe and effective in the ways that they work. I, I've used them. I know they are. I understand cannabinoids and experienced cannabis. And so really for looking to kind of medical and science to build out the efficacy and the education, which is why we, you know, Dr. Swati joined as our co-founder at the time as an integrative pharmacist, our chief medical advisor, Dr. Marvin Singh, who's a triple certified gastrointestinal doctor and integrative medical doctor, is, you know, having the foundation of really looking at it from the support of health and how are we really trying to help people for me was like, that was the big differentiator, I guess, or setting the solid foundation. Cause I wasn't seeing other companies doing that, but yeah, we're asking people to put these products in and on their body and to mm -hmm. trust us. And if we're doing that, maybe we might want to take a step back and think about who are the people that are helping us make those decisions. So, you know, we went through all of the formulations and made sure they were safe and testing and made sure that they were shelf stable, all of the things that you would do in a traditional CPG company or imagine even in, in pharmaceuticals and stuff, what level of detail you have to go th through to actually create products. Um, so I think that, and then, like you said, the focus on education, because I, I understood, I remember asking my mom to start using our products and I mean, the look on her face was like, I was asking her to do something that was awful and terrible. And she couldn't believe I was recommending this stuff to her. She was, I mean, she was on so much medication. She's hardly on anything. And her doctors keep telling her, just do whatever your doctor tells you, tells her, you know, tells you to do. And my grandma uses our products and she tells me how much better she sleeps at night. And, and these little things like that really was the foundation we were building is getting people in across the line that weren't really sure that these types of products could help them. And doing that though, with thought leadership and expertise and education, but most importantly was just holding true to our values, right? And making sure that, you know, we have a whole ethical decision-making framework. I think most people don't know about that, but uh, we worked with the trustworthy advisor and helping make sure that in the decisions we make that, that we don't cross the line of of our ethical decision, you know, basically range that we have, whether it's be the partnerships, the influencers that we work with, the companies that we partner with, and and doing the best we can, whether that be sustainability or or give back or just even how we treat each other within our own team. And so all of those things for me, anyways, are the foundation of a successful company, right? Being strong in your positioning, making sure that you buy it, don't violate your values, your morals, 
and being really strong experts in the products that you're creating for, for any company. I think those are really important. And, and the people are absolutely the most important, critical thing with getting them involved and passionate and people that believe in you and getting the expertise of so many areas, right? Like I'm not an expert in finance and marketing and all of this stuff. So bringing in those people that can help support the business, which is what we did. We have a great advisory board and so much support from experts around us to help us grow the business. So, you know, we can we can last through this really difficult challenge, uh, challenging time and with so much competition. I think over 3,000 CBD brands have launched since the farm bill passed. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, that's just, that's, it's unbelievable. And so I love that you've surrounded yourself with strategic advisors who know their lane of expertise and that's what they focus on. And that's why you've been able to get to the point you are with Element Apothic. Um, so for you, what's your favorite part about being involved in the business? And is there like any particular part that you're just always excited and, you know, ready to kind of go to work on anytime you get the opportunity to? Because I know um, a lot of times co-founders have to wear and even CEOs have to wear so many multiple hats, especially in the, the cannabis industry. So any particular favorite role that you play during the day? You know, I love I love strategy and kind of thinking about where we're going and what we're doing. It's, you know, really looking at that macro view, but I but I still do love the micro, like my science mind just loves all the detail and information. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I there's so many things that I enjoy. I really do love the idea of networking and collaboration and helping each other out. We wouldn't be here without that. We wouldn't be here without the connections that, you know, I've and the team have been able to make on LinkedIn and the people that are supporting us. So to me, I mean, if, if, if I, if that could be half my day and it's getting less and less and less, the opportunities I have for that networking and collaboration as we get busier with the things that we're doing. But in the beginning, I mean, that really was part of the foundation of, people even knowing about element apothic and believing in us and trusting us is is all of that connections and reaching out and being vulnerable i remember asking people if i could be on their podcast i'm like there's no way they're going to say yes we haven't even we're we're nothing like we're just barely launching our products and um, being vulnerable to push yourself and ask someone if they were willing to help or support the business but those reach outs and those connections I, I don't know. That's like my favorite thing. And I still love doing that. And I love paying it forward. And, you know, I love meeting people and like, hey, you two should talk. And this would be a great opportunity um, for you. But also strategic partnerships. We have some now with the cosmetics formulator, which she's using our, uh, you know, kind of special blend of cannabinoid ingredients. Um, and, and customers can select to have that added into their custom cosmetic formulation. And we have some other exciting things in the work for strategic partnerships where people want to come into this space, but maybe they're not sure they want to take on the legalities of of cannabinoids that we're working with them to create products. So to me, that's the exciting thing is there's just so many um, ways that we can grow and partner and connect and collaborate with people. I, I always said in my life, if I could just do that for like my whole life, that would probably have been my ideal job, but you really don't. Yeah. It's really hard to monetize and, and make a living just connecting people and collaborating on stuff. Totally, totally. And I mean, with all that said, what is the best way for folks to reach out and connect with you if they're listening to this and, you know, they want to learn more about the brand or just get in touch with you about different opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I'm active on LinkedIn, although messages get flooded on there because you get a lot. Um, but you could always um, go to Ellen Apothic and contact us. 
Um, or my email, Davina at elementapothic.com is an easy place to reach me as well. Um, but LinkedIn is probably where I'm the most active. Awesome. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Major Journey Podcast. Davina, thank you so much for joining us and sending you lots of lots of success, health, and happiness in 2023 and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.